0: I want to jump right into the word of the Lord tonight. We're going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. I hope that tonight I can communicate what the Lord has put on my heart. He began to work with me last night and even this morning before work and just was dealing with me on a specific subject. And I pray that I can communicate that sufficiently the way that I feel it tonight. 1 Peter 3 and 8 says this, finally be ye all of one mind. Everybody say one mind. mind. Having compassion one of another. Everybody say one. one. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Let me read that again. Finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful and be courteous. If you put your Bible down your reading device, I want to talk to you about this subject tonight before we pray. No one left behind. No one left behind. If you pray with me in Jesus' name, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for your word, God. Lord, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, God. It cuts, Lord, it tears away and takes out those things which shouldn't exist, God. Lord, and it puts what should, God. Lord, I pray that you move upon the hearts of your people tonight, God. Lord, I pray that you'd speak and communicate to us clearly, God, in clarity, God, that we would receive it, God, that the, the ground of our heart would be cultivated to receive the seed of your word. Lord, that it would spring forth with life and that more abundantly, God, that it would bless, edify, uplift, revive, Restore, direct, and protect as only your word can, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen Amen and amen. No one left behind. What good is it to succeed in life? What good is it to accomplish something and go it alone? (laughs) What joy is there, what, what uh, uh, fulfillment is there in life when you can accomplish all of your goals, all of your burdens, all of your dreams, all of the things that you've been pushing forward to, but you take nobody with you. You go it alone. You go the journey alone. It's not any fun. It doesn't accomplish as much if you don't take somebody with you. What good is heaven to gain? What good is it to make it in the end? What good is it when we come to the place where the trumpet sounds and we're caught up with those in the air to meet the Lord, but there's no one beside us? What good is it if it's not recognized that there's someone that has made it with us or someone that we wretched to, someone that we gave a Bible study, someone that we told about what God has done for us, someone that we've witnessed to if they're not with us when we're caught up in the air? What good is it to leave somebody behind make the journey alone? What good is it to succeed in the kingdom of God? What good is it for us to make the accomplishments of going the extra mile and God taking us further and longer and going the journey, but we don't bring somebody along with us? What heartbreak we would have if we didn't bring somebody with us. And what would the journey be if we didn't go it together right here in this place? If we didn't lock arms, if we didn't join forces, if we didn't cheer each other on, if we didn't recognize what we just recognized just a few moments ago, the miracles that have taken place in our midst. What good is it for them to experience that and for us not to celebrate with them? What good is it for us to not recognize that he can do it again and again and again and again? That someone can come with us. The miracle inspires somebody else for their miracle or it should. Pastor has talked about this many of times to where we set back and we look and we see what someone has received from God and we're waiting back here wondering for our moment and when our moment is going to come to receive what God has for us or what we've been waiting on. But are we willing to endure and celebrate with somebody else until we receive that? You see, I believe in... This writing of Peter, and it's, it's debated by scholars whether this is Peter actually writing or if this is someone writing on his behalf in the circumstance of what has taken place and him giving this instruction to the church. But in this moment, Peter understood something, that there could be nothing accomplished alone. And how great would it be anyways if we did it all by ourselves? Peter opens by saying, finally, be ye all of one mind. Say it again. One mind. Be of one mind. He recognized that it was of utmost importance for the church to move forward, for them to see what God had for them, to see the revival take place, souls won, miracles wrought, things to take place. He understood that they must be in one mind, in one mind together. What is one mind? It's heart, a heartbeat, one heartbeat, motivation, a reason, a drive. That's what one mind is. That's coming together and setting aside the things that we might otherwise bring in, but we set those things aside to be what? In one mind. We come in this place each and every service, each and every time the doors are open, and we should always come to be in one mind. (laughs) Otherwise, we come in with our own agenda. We come in with our own efforts. And we might leave from the service wondering why we didn't receive what God had for us. All because we did not determine it in our mind and heart to be of one mind. When we walk in, everything else should be put to the side. We should make a pointed effort to be one heartbeat, one people, one mind and one accord. How unity can truly take place. One of the first and main focuses of the body of Christ must be unity. We must be in one mind. This subject is a thread throughout the New Testament all the way from Pentecost on. How could the spirit of God be poured out on flesh only in one mind? What if those 120 people would have came in? Oh, man. Mm-mm. I got this going on. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm half here and I'm half there. What if they had not determined in their heart and minds to receive what God wanted to pour out on them? It took one mind. Solidarity. Harmony. No one likes to hear it, right? We equate it to music. No one likes to hear something out of tune when there's a choir singing, a praise team singing, a chorale singing. But they want to hear it in harmony. It's peaceful. It brings joy. It brings hope. It brings life and that more abundantly. This is addressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Not just one mind, not just one people, but with the same judgment with the same judgment the effort is to be in one mind one accord with no division but that requires you to bring someone with you when we're feeling it when God's moving in our lives in the midst of the service I know it's been said oftentimes to not let somebody deter you from your worship. And I I want everybody to do that. But what about next time encouraging them to join you? What about telling them, look, I, I, I don't know what you're going through right now. But look, if you'll just worship like I did, you'll receive what I received. You don't have to know their situation. But bring somebody with you. Worship with somebody. How much more amazing would your miracle be as if it was in the midst of somebody else and bringing somebody else with you? It doesn't have to be a lonely journey to your miracle. It can be. But it doesn't have to be. We must understand that unity isn't just a spiritual attribute, but that many times in history, there were great things accomplished through unity. Pastor has mentioned this many a times in Genesis 11, five through six, it says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one, one mind, one people, together with one purpose he saw that and he recognized that and his words was he says and they have all one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them nothing has no very specific or deep meaning but nothing zero zilch nothing There was nothing constrained from them, nothing was held back, nothing was withheld from them. Anything in the world could have been accomplished. Why? Because they were of one mind. They were one people. They determined in their heart. It didn't matter their opinion. It didn't matter their background. It didn't matter anything that they had to do. They were determined to be in one mind together. Sure it was a wrong purpose. It was a wrong goal. It was to defy God. They wanted to be like. They, they committed the very same sin that Satan did. To be like God. You ain't going to be like God. Unless you humble yourselves before God. And you get in one mind. One accord in one place. In one body. <laughs> That's where you become like God. See Satan had it Backwards. You don't make yourself like God. He makes you like him. But you got to be in one mind. You got to be in one body, one accord, one body, one place, one church, one vision, one goal, one journey. That's difficult sometimes. You got to set what you want to accomplish aside. That's why I'm here. (laughs) it's not about me if there's one important thing that I learned about life that I could share with you tonight is that my life is not about me But it's how I can help somebody else. It's how I can strengthen their journey. It's how I can shine a little bit of light in this dark world. Look, folks, people are without hope and they need one body and one mind and one accord behind one vision, behind one purpose. You know what the world can see? The world can see when you're not together. the body or the church can tell when the body's not in one mind and one accord you ever been to a service like that before nothing seems to go right <laughs> the world knows they can see it there's enough disunity out there rebellion division they don't need it in the church it's the one place they should come And not experience it at all. I realize we're not all the same. We don't have the same personalities. Sometimes we don't like what somebody says, we don't like what somebody does. That's okay, you don't have to. (laughs) Opinions are like bad breath, everybody's got it, but it all stinks. But it's about one mind. It's about one focus. It's about one purpose. But it's also about not going it alone. I got to thinking about this this afternoon. What good is it if I fulfill God's will for my life and God's purpose for my life? and I go it all alone if I leave behind my family if I don't take anybody with me if I don't help them succeed and find their ministry find their purpose fulfill their dreams and visions along the way what good is it? what good is it? no one left behind no one left behind no one has to be left behind no one should have to go this journey alone here's the expectation that we put on folks Look, can i be real with you for a minute the expectation we put on folks is they come into the church they seek god they repent of their sins they're baptized in jesus name filled with the gift of the holy ghost and you know what happens we give them an expectation that they forsake their friends That they forsake their family and pursue God. But no one should go it alone. Please hear my heartbeat tonight. Nobody should go it alone. We should be their new friends. We should be their new family. Adopt somebody into your family. As they come into the church, as they begin to pursue God, some, some people are losing everything. We don't see that because we don't go home with them. We don't see their world. Lord, have mercy. There, there's kids, that, I mean, I, I don't know if they do now, but there's, there's kids that I grew up around that came on the church bus and they were so excited to get to church. They'd come to church and God would move on their lives in such a real and tangible way. And they'd go home, excuse the way I put this, but to hell. But they keep riding the church bus every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Just looking for somebody to give them hope. Somebody to take them under their wing. Somebody to strengthen them and uplift them. I'm disappointed to say that many of those that I grew up around are not in church today. Because nobody did it. Oh, they're different than me. They're they're, they're riding the church bus, man. Nobody's undressed church. We're not above anybody else. God saved us with the same grace and mercy. We got the same Holy Ghost that God can give to them. Sometimes disunity happens because we're not doing what we're supposed to do in the first place. We're not reaching. We're not blessing. We're not giving a Bible study. We're not loving. Had a lady. was getting ready to walk past me. I was, my one of my very first deliveries. Delivering the mail is. At the courthouse in Cass County. I'm walking up to the building. And this lady I knew from a different area of town. I had gotten to know her pretty well. She was a very nice lady. Very kind uh, to me. She started walking towards me. And I'm, I'm walking towards her. And uh, man, I've got. That's, that's, it's crazy in there. <laughs> I've got so much mail for that place. Some days it's like, man, I just got to get this over with. I got to get through this. But I'll never forget this day because it changed my, my perspective. Changed my life, really. But as I went to go past her, I asked her how she was doing. Casually, like we do each and every day. As she went to walk by me, she said, you know what? I'm not okay. Said I'm hurting. Going through some stuff I can't see my way out of. I don't know which end is up. Been kicked down so many times. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to carry on forward. We walk by people like that each and every day. Sometimes they're amongst us. They may not want to admit it sometimes, but sometimes they're sitting right by you. That's the one mind. We need to be sensitive. God, help us. Can we pray right now, just for a moment? Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to be sensitive, God. Lord, to the needs of others, God. Help us to see as you would have us to see, God. Lord, not how we desire, God. Hallelujah, Lord, but make us sensitive, God. Help us to discern, God, the needs of others. Lord, to see the needs of our brothers and sisters, God. Help us to see it, God, but not just to see it, just to see it, but to act upon it, Lord. Lord, to be that shoulder, God, to be that hand to hold. Lord, that encouraging word, God. Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. When unity is an action in this way, as I just described, it causes a ripple effect. It's like the stone in the water. Seems insignificant. What can the stone do? But it goes out throughout the water, it gets bigger and bigger, it affects more area, it touches more people. We can have unity in one mind for one another. To see the head and the hands that hang down. To see the ones caught in the den of lions that all they need is a handout. They don't need money, they just need you. Sometimes you're the answer to prayer. Huh. Lord have mercy. I got ahead of myself tonight. <laughs> one mind, right? We talked about one mind. There's three parts to this scripture. In case I didn't tell you already. <laughs> one mind is the first part and it's one of the most powerful But the second aspect of the scripture is having compassion one on another. Got ahead of myself a bit with this. But I want to read to you a little bit about compassion. What is compassion? It's a form of love that is stirred when we are confronted with those who are suffering or vulnerable. Compassion often produces action to alleviate the suffering that we see. Peter's beckoned out onto the water. Jesus calls him out onto the water and he walks on the water with Jesus. He takes his eyes off. He begins to sink, right? We know the story. But in the midst of all that, Jesus does what? He reaches out for him. What was Jesus showing to Peter? Compassion. Because he acted in faith and took the step. Though he lost focus, Jesus had compassion on him to pull him out of what he was sinking into. Could it be that that's what your miracle is waiting on? Could it be that's what's holding some of us back? Is that we're unwilling to help somebody else out. That we don't have compassion. That we don't reach to those. 21 scriptures use the word compassion. Say that's pretty important to God. You see, even during Jesus' earthly ministry, he was constantly moved with what? Compassion. 5,000 people, 3,000 people. All these people that followed him, he was moved with compassion because they continued to follow after him just hanging on a word. They wanted to hear his word. They wanted to have direction for their life. They wanted God to lead them, to guide them, to direct them. So he was moved with compassion. But his passion, compassion brought about his purpose. His compassion caused him to do miracles that had never been seen before, never been done before. Many prophets had come. You've got to understand, many prophets had come before him and they thought he was just another prophet. But the difference was the miracles that followed him why because he was moved with compassion for those that followed him the woman at the well who he called out her sin he was moved on compassion by compassion excuse me for her he saw her need beyond her faults <laughs> just like he saw peter's need beyond his faults In the midst of the water. He didn't care about her circumstance. He just wanted to create a path. To meet him. She wasn't liked by his people. She was a Samaritan woman. She was viewed by the Jews as the enemy. Somebody who defies our worship in our temple, where the temple is located. All these things, they defy all of it. They're not friendly. But he retched to her, because he didn't care. He was moved with compassion for her. He saw her need beyond her faults. You see, in studying compassion, the more and more scriptures that I read and i looked up in the back of my bible went <laughs> back and forth between the scriptures that it listed those 21 scriptures i told you about the more i read that the more i realized that compassion is the remedy for bitterness compassion is the remedy for bitterness why Because it'll get you out of holding that grudge and serving another. It takes this flesh. Bitterness is all about me. It's the flesh. Somebody did me dirty. Somebody did me wrong. Somebody crossed me. All of these. All of the above. You can list many things. But when you show compassion to somebody else, you think that bitterness matters anymore? melts away <laughs> compassion is the remedy for bitterness Matthew 14 and 14 gives us an example of such compassion it says and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion but he didn't just feed people The scripture has a comma. And he healed the sick. Job made a statement. Job said, who is God that man can touch with the feelings of his infirmities? (laughs) Jesus healed the sick. So he was touching their infirmities. He was fulfilling the statement that Job asked. He didn't experience what they experienced. That gap being bridged by a man named Christ Jesus, both God and man at the same time. But in this moment, he fulfilled that by touching their infirmities, their sickness, their issues. Because of compassion. I believe that God felt that in that moment when Job made that statement. This is just my opinion. Just Zach opinion. (laughs) But I believe that God was already having or already had these things in mind. (laughs) Because as pastor said, the plan was at the beginning. He desired to fulfill it. It just wasn't come yet until the New Testament. I believe we talked about this in Charting Your Course 201. He desired to bridge that gap. To show compassion. We could have just talked about compassion tonight. (laughs) Lord have mercy. It's all about nobody left behind. So one mind and having compassion one towards another. And I can't forget the third one. And I'm hurrying because it's 8 o'clock and you're ready to get out of (laughs) here. He goes on to say, love as brethren. Love as brethren. This phrase reveals a remarkable characteristic of the early church. It shows us how the early church regarded themselves as members of one family. It puts it on display love them, prefer them, take care of them. So much so that they were motivated by love and loving their brethren that they threw everything together. And they made sure all the needs were supplied. They were moved with love. In other words, they felt like members of one complete household. One complete body. They took it literally that they were one to love as brethren. A brother and a sister, a mother, a father. They take care of each other. They know when each other's hurting and what they're going through. Why? Because they're in the same household. They see their anger. They see their shortcomings. Ooh, wait a minute. We're going back to the first part, aren't we? (laughs) We're going to see that from each other. The more we're around each other. But it's about that one mind. Instead of judging them for that. Why don't we ask him how we can help him? Because we were there. I know I was. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. (laughs) We need his help. We need his guidance. We need his direction. We truly are one family. We are one household. We are one people behind one vision. That's the way God created. That's the way God made it to be. Proverbs 18:24 instructs us that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. If you see somebody without friends, guess what? They ain't showing themselves friendly. (laughs) For in one mind. For one body. (laughs) And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The love of the brethren. The love of your sisters. The love of one another, the compassion of one another. Romans 12 and 10 instructs us be kindly, affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. That's hard. (laughs) That's difficult. That's why somebody that's homeless on the street, they're down to their last few bucks, and somebody truly asks for their help, guess what they're going to do? Because they prefer one over the other. If they can do it, what's our problem? I've seen it happen time and time again. They're down to their last cup of change, their last few bucks. That's hard. (laughs) Prefer your brother. Prefer your sister. Think about their needs. Think about them before you think about you. Galatians 6 and 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, you which are to spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Don't fall into the same thing, but this is part of being in one mind. It's part of being one body. It's to recover a brother. I've experienced this before. when we were in Logan sport, I'll share it with you, there's a brother that was about to give up on me, he's about to leave me, he's a very close friend, and I felt the burden to recover a brother, this went on for a couple months where he was frustrated with me, wouldn't speak to me very much, I met with them and I talked with them. We both began to weep, to hug each other, to forgive each other. That's what Galatians is talking about. In meekness, you may not even be in the wrong, but go to your brother, go to your sister. Try to recover them. If they've fallen. If they've tripped up. If they've fallen back into their old life. And the life of sin. Try to recover them. Don't kick them while they're down. Because what is what good is it to go the journey. Alone. I'm not going to read it. But I'll. Reference this in closing. 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 tells us not to be a stumbling block to them that are weak. That's part of being one mind and one accord. What could God not have accomplished in that upper room? If some of them had been a stumbling block to each other. Hey, you know what Sister So-and-so said? You believe that? But they didn't care about any of that. Because it was about being in one mind, one accord, in one place, and nobody being left behind. Listen, we can go this journey. We can see great revival. We can see many souls won. But let's not go it alone. Let's be there for each other. Let's have compassion one towards the other. Let's take somebody with us. Let's be moved by what moves God. Because what moves God is compassion. Want to get God's attention, show compassion like he did. Prefer others, love others, care for each other, nurture each other, and love each other. Jesus.